Shalom! Welcome to Glory and Light, the podcast of CMJ USA, where we proclaim the good news of Jesus the Messiah, the revealing light to the nations, and the glory of his people Israel. Today, we finish our psalm study with Aaron Gann as we look at Book 5 of the Psalms, chapters 107 through 150. In this section, we encounter the Egyptian Hallel, the Songs of Ascent, and the Great Hallel. While the Psalms have served as an inspired hymnal for the Jewish people and the followers of Jesus, what do we see when we read the Psalms as a book of prophetic poetry? To learn more about CMJ, to sign up for our newsletters, or to make a donation, visit cmj-usa.org. We've been approaching the book of Psalms as a book. In one of the books I was reading, they kind of challenged me when I first read it, saying, what if you stopped reading the book of Psalms as an inspired hymnal, and rather as an anthology, as a book, carefully composed and written, and an anthology of prophetic poetry? I'm paraphrasing that, but the idea stuck in my mind. And the more I studied church history and early Jewish commentary, the more I found that was the view of the Psalter for a very long time. Well, so we've been studying it as a book, looking at each of the five sections that you find in the Psalter. Books one, two, three, four, and five. Uh, each section ends with an exhortation to praise the Lord. Tonight, we're going to be looking at Book 5, the Book of Deliverance and Praise. It comes just on the heel of the previous books, which have been asking for a deliverer to come to Israel, to regather them from the nations, to deliver them from their enemies, and to ultimately bring the Messiah, who will usher in an era of worship in Israel, faithfulness to God, and bring the nations into worship of God as well. So within book five, we have three major groupings. Book five technically is Psalms 107 through 145. And the reason for this is that Psalms 146 through 150, called the Great Hallel, act as a kind of epilogue, as a finisher to the Psalter as a whole, and thus many people consider it to be separate from book five. But within this collection itself, you have three major groups. The first is what's called the Hallel. This is Psalms 113 through 118, with Psalms 119, with Psalm 119 acting as kind of a, a hinge between the second grouping and the first, and the second being the famous Songs of Ascent between Psalms 120 and 134. Then you have a series of other psalms building on the themes, and it ends with the great Hallel 146 through 150. So tonight we're going to be looking at these three major groups. That's going to be the focus of our study tonight. So before we get into the Hallel, though, we need to ask, well, what are the psalms lead up to the Hallel? Because as we've been speaking about, the psalms are interpreted in light of each other. One psalm interprets another, and putting different psalms together oftentimes is purposeful from the redactor to bring about the theology 
and points that he is trying to make. So we have four Psalms leading up to the Hallel. This is Psalms 107 through 110. 107 begins with this wonderful phrase, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has revealed, redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. This is ultimately an answer to the, psalms, to the psalmist's request at the end of book four in Psalm 106, verse 47, where he says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. And then, of course, we have the wonderful benediction. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, Psalm 107 answers this plea. It says in verse 4, Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then. Going to verse 7, he led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Verse 10, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of his death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. Verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. Verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, suffered affliction. Well, verse 20. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Point being, no matter where they are at, the Lord will bring them back from exile. So where the psalmist in verse 47 of 106 says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations. 107 answers this and says, Oh, he most certainly will, no matter where they have been brought. So that goes into Psalm 108, a song of praise and pleading in light of the Lord's promises. Verse, uh, Psalm 108, verse 1. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my beings. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. Well. Then we end up in Psalm 109, which shifts the tone from that of praise to that of dealing with David's or the Messiah's enemies. There, there is a question of this. It's one of the most, um, how would I put? It's one of the most clear-cut, like just straightforward psalms asking for judgment on someone. It is a psalm asking for God to bring ruin and destruction on someone. Verse 1. Be not silent, O God, in my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are open against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. Verse 6. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. It just keeps going on and on and on. Verse 14, may the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. There is a question, of course, as to who this is about. 
the two major opinions are that it could be about David and a personal enemy, likely a man by the name of Ahithophel. This is a man who was one of David's advisors, who during the rebellion of Absalom decided to join Absalom's cause instead of joining David uh, after Absalom, his son, had betrayed him and brought a rebellion about. And that this is the enemy that David is speaking of. On the other hand, you do have in the book of Acts where this is applied to Judas Iscariot. And those who hold that this is about David say, well, if this was true of David's enemy, that let another man replace him, let him be counted as a curse, well, then what about David's greater son? Well, of course. In the same way, Judas betrayed um, Jesus in the same way that Ahithophel had betrayed David, and so another was going to take his office. But some, such as Martin Luther, for instance, saw this directly about Messiah's prayer toward Judas in the midst of his betrayal by him. What's, what needs to be said here, quite interestingly, uh, and it needs to be noted, is that the psalmist is not taking vengeance for himself. He is not picking up the sword and saying, this person has dealt terribly with me, and therefore I'm going to do this. Instead, he waits for the Lord and pleads with the Lord to bring about this vengeance for him. 110, one of the most uh, quoted psalms in the New Testament, answers this for us. It is God's response. If Psalm 109 is by David, about David, then it will ultimately come by his greater son, his Lord. When will David finally get his recompense? By his greater son, who will enact the Lord's vengeance. On the other hand, if it's Messiah himself, then he will be delivered by coming to sit at the right hand of God until the day the Lord gives him vengeance. This is the famous psalm. The Lord says to my Lord, sit in my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Verse 4. The Lord is sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, according after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. He will execute the Lord's promise of making his enemies a footstool for his feet, which ought to bring to mind Psalm 2, where the nations go against God and say, we are going to break your chains from us. And he says, I have established my king on my holy mountain. Psalm 2, where it says in Psalm 2, you shall break them, that is, the one who's established on Zion, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. In light of this request for vindication, in light of Israel's distress, as seen in the previous books, there will come a deliverer who will crush the nations. And this is what ultimately leads into the Hallel. So, what is the Hallel? Well, as we said before, it's Psalms 113 through 118. As we said before, it's the first of three major units, Psalm 119 serving as a hinge between the first two, the Hallel and the Song of Ascents. Now, it's called the Hallel because most of the Psalms in this unit begin with the phrase, Praise the Lord, or as we know in Hebrew, Hallelujah. 
It was a major part of the festival liturgies in the first century. Uh, it was sang at various festivals throughout the year. And perhaps what will be most recognizable to us will be the, it was connected quite intimately with Passover, sang um, during the night of Passover, during the Seder, which is a practice continued to this day uh, by those who do Passover Seders in the most orthodox traditional way. And this is likely what Yeshua and his disciples sang in Matthew 26, 30, when it says, when they had hymned, they went out to the Mount of Olives. It's interesting in the Greek, as I understand it, is that it doesn't say that they sang a hymn and went out. It's literally, they sang, or they hymned. Well, what did they sing? Well, most likely, it was these Hallel Psalms. So they're going to be echoing in the ears of Yeshua and the disciples as they head out into the Mount of Olives. So, the Hallel has itself a few units. But you have the units of 113 through 115. So you have the, fir the first two that lead up to it. Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. You have almost a hearkening back to Psalms 1 and 2. But then you have Psalm 113, where it extols the people to praise the Lord's we praise the Lord for his deeds. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Where he, in verse 7, raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He makes them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Now, of course, with this, this should bring to mind Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Now, there is some question, of course, did Hannah's prayer come first, and whoever wrote this psalm write it after Hannah's prayer? Or is this an old psalm, going all the way back to the time before David? And Hannah knows it so well that as she's praying, she's echoing the words of the psalm. And that's something that people debate, and that's something I don't know if we'll ever have an answer to. But I think it's worth thinking about, worth meditating about. Well, 114, uh, when Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became a sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. It's about the exodus and the coming into the land of Canaan. Then finally, in 115, where it's, it opens with this beautiful thought. It's not a hallelujah psalm, but it's still within the unit. This is not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. It's this whole thing about all of Israel is commanded to praise the Lord, to remember him, not to bring glory to themselves, but to remember him of whom their glory is from. Well, then we get into Psalms 116 through 118. We have two Psalms of deliverance with a hinge in between them again. <clears throat> now, 116 is a beautiful Psalm and has a lot of messianic overtones and echoes. But it seems to not be about the Messiah himself. The reason being is because though there's a lot of language similar to what we've heard before, 
The Lord preserves a simple in verse 6. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Sounds a lot like maybe Psalm 16, Psalm 17. But you get to verse 10 and 11 where he says, I believed even when I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. And I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Where the Hebrew implies that he said this in his haste, meaning he said this wrongly. He made an unjust assumption that he's now repenting of. Why? Because the Lord has delivered him and he will ultimately have peace. And while 116 does not open with the word hallelujah, it certainly ends with it. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst of Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Now, 117, one of the, sh- I believe it, this is the shortest one in the whole Psalter, is just a simple praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Then we get to Psalm 118, which is very similar to Psalm 116, but there are some key differences particularly, is the identification of this person. While one set, well, 116 is a person being delivered from death and yet stumbling at one point in his haste, in 118, this figure does not stumble at all. Notice where he says in Psalm 116, 10 through 11, we'll read that again. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. This is from the ESV. Well, in Psalm 118, verses 5 through 6, it says, Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side, and I will not fear. What can man do to me? David spoke in his fear, but his son, his greater son, speaks in confidence. And with verses 6 and 7, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Well, this should bring us back to Psalm 110, verse 5, where it says, The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. Verse 17 and 18, he says, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me, or as it says in the Hebrew, he has chastened me or, or um, inflicted me severely, but he has not given me over to death. We know from our earlier look through the Psalter that how is he delivered from death? Because he will not abandon him, abandon him to shale. He will not allow his body to see decay. He will be resurrected. Now, as we see in verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in him. It's quite interesting because throughout the Psalter, throughout the book of Psalms, we've seen the Messiah has enemies, and the enemies are usually the nations. Usually it's the the nations who are against him, and he's shattering them, and they have been trying to oppress him. We've heard hints of of people one person maybe who has betrayed him and hurt him, but we're not always told exactly how he gets to the nations to be afflicted by them. 
But according to this psalm, it's finally shown that the ones who rejected him initially are the builders, the builders of the temple. That would be the religious leaders of Israel. And of course, we know this to be true in the first century with the Sanhedrin delivering him over to the Romans in order to be crucified. But there's great hope in this psalm because it doesn't say that the stone that the builders rejected, we've seen and now we regret that we missed it, uh, you know, in this terrible wailing. Rather, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is an Israel who is looking back and seeing what happened, but now praising the fact that they know it, praising the fact that they have come to saving faith in him. So then we get to Psalm 119, and we're not going to go into that because you'll have to hear me for three hours, and I don't know if my voice could handle that. But just some notes. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's a poem about the joy, delight, revelation, and wisdom of the Torah. And it's an acrostic. That is, it follows the Hebrew alphabet, or alphabet, with eight lines, each line beginning with that particular letter. So in Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8, all those verses begin with the letter Aleph. In verses 9 through 16, they all begin with bait, and so on, so forth. As an example of this kind of alliteration, if we were to try to do this in English, I don't think anyone ever has, and probably for good reason, but I tried my hand at it. If we were to say Psalm 119, A, all those are blessed who are blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Absolutely blessed are those who keep his testimonies. B, by virtue of what can a man keep his boy pure? By guarding it according to your word, beseeching you with my whole heart, do not let me wander away. See, each, each line would begin with the same um, letter of the alphabet. And it shows beautiful skill and mastery by whomever wrote it. And there's a lot of opinions. Some say it's David, some say it's Solomon, some say it was Isaiah or Ezra, and all these different people, different scribes, different people who wrote scripture, and yet there's no consensus. But whoever wrote it had great skill. They were under the direction of the Lord. They loved the Lord. And they wanted to make this wonderful poem all about the, the law of the Lord and his wisdom and his commandments and his statutes. Well, you finally get to the last verse of Psalm 119. Where it says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. This person at the end is one who identifies himself as a lost sheep who is looking for the Lord to shepherd him. And it's a really wonderful hinge between these two groups of psalms because the Hallel psalms ended with a note that the Messiah will come who will deliver Israel. And the songs of ascent themselves are going to have messianic overtones as well. So, we enter into the Songs of Ascent. These are Psalms 120 through 134, 15 psalms in all. So what are they? Well, there's two major thoughts out there as far as what exactly the Songs of Ascent are, why they matter, what they're for. And the two major thoughts seem to be 
uh, pilgrimage songs and a relation to the temple steps. What I mean by pilgrimage songs is these psalms were written by, for, and sung by, maybe sung to, depending on the amount of literacy, people who could sing, people who have memorized, but they were sung by pilgrims who were journeying toward Jerusalem for the three festivals of ingathering, that is, Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. And as they're traveling, remember, these are long roads, there's bandits, there's people who seek them harm, there's weather, there's storms, and oftentimes throughout Israelite history, they're not in a good spot. Remember that you have the time of David and the time of Solomon, the two major periods where Israel is mostly at peace at various times, particularly Solomon. And after that, it's very tumultuous. It's back and forth a lot. There's enemies invading from, well, never from the left, but from the right and from the north and from the south. That's a dangerous road to go. So you have these psalms about confidence in God and seeking his peace and the peace of Jerusalem. And they're great comfort. But also Jewish tradition will tell us that there's steps in the temple. There are 15 steps total. And as people were climbing these steps, the priests would sing these psalms as they were sacrificing the Passover lambs and other thing, other time, other sacrifices during the festivals, but particularly Passover. Likely a combination of both. And as uh, I would say, they were likely sung by Yeshua and his disciples as they journeyed to Jerusalem and was heard by his disciples as they prepared the Passover. You read in Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 8, where Jesus said to go to prepare the Passover that they may eat it. So what are the the songs we sent? I have them listed out here, and I'm just going to briefly comment on them. Well, Psalm 120 is a song of distress crying for deliverance to find a place of peace. Psalm 120, verse 1. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. Verse 5. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell on the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling place among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. They're in the midst of a troubling situation, and they're looking to find a place of peace where they're not surrounded by their enemies. Well, 121 through 125 answer this. This is a, a, a very nice psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So where does the help come from? The maker of heaven and earth, which is why they're lifting their eyes up to the hill. There, there his throne is up in heaven. The one who keeps Israel does not slumber or sleep. He is always guarding. He is always watching. Therefore, the one crying out can rest assured that the Lord is not ignoring them. But the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. Coming out and going in out of where? Well, in, verse, in Psalm 122, we hear the destination. Verses 1 and 2. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. This is the famous psalm of praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those be secure who love you. 
Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So pray for her peace. And there's blessings of peace in relation to Jerusalem. That's where you're going to find it. And Psalm 123, another lifting up of the eyes and cry for mercy and another desire of rest. Going into Psalm 124, that the Lord has given them the deliverance. Once again, the one who made heaven and earth. Verse 8, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And finally, Psalm 125, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Verse 4, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Those who trust the Lord will be secure like Jerusalem is supposed to be. And those who do not, those who go aside to their crooked ways, they will be, they will be led away with the evildoers, ultimately out of the city. Well, then we get to Psalms 126 through 129. And just to briefly say in a paragraph, these are songs of restoration and warning to care to follow the Lord. Those who fear the Lord will be blessed by him. And those who hate Zion, which is equivalent to hating the Lord, will ultimately be judged because of it. This is the one that contains the, uh, the psalm that most of us know. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So they must make sure that the Lord is on their side, that they're doing it with his command, and that they are right in right relationship with him. So then we get to 130 and 134. In Psalm 130 and 131, it's about personal salvation for the psalmist. Which, le- which leads to Israel trusting the Lord for their salvation. It says in verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watching before the morning, more than watching before the morning. Verse 7, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And Psalm 131 is talking about quieting his soul now because the Lord is with them, because he does not occupy himself with things too great and too marvelous for him. But he, but I have calmed and quieted my soul, verse 2, like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Psalm 132 is the salvation of Israel and Jerusalem, which comes in the horn of David. And which means that the songs of ascent, like the Hallel, end on a messianic theme. Because it's all about David finding the Ark of the Lord and, Dave, and the Davidic covenant that followed. And you find in verse 17, there, that is Jerusalem, will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed, that is, in Hebrew, my Messiah. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Which leads us into Psalm 133, which is the song of unity. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. But given that it comes on the heels of 132, it's the Messiah, it's the horn of David that brings this unity that Israel's been longing for. And you end with 134, 
which is an exhortation for all Israel to praise the Lord. Come bless the Lord, all you his servants, all the servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Now the psalm immediately following the Psalms of Ascent, because here they end, in Psalm 134 and 135, actually begins with that refrain. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord. Now this shows a bit of the intent of the compiler, the compositional unity, because whoever put it together chose to show that this had ended by bringing us back to the Hallel before and putting both of these together with Psalm 119 at its core. The remaining Psalms, 136 through 145, are 10 Psalms that continue to play on these previous themes. And I would encourage you to go read them in light of the rest of Book 5. And these last Psalms serve as the closing of the Psalter proper. What I mean by that is, as I said at the beginning, um, as actually at the beginning of the series, when you the you have book one actually begins with Psalm three, where Psalms one and two serve as an intro to the whole book of the Psalter, while Psalms one forty six through one fifty serve as if you want to think in the terms of you entered into the gate by gates into the city of the Psalter, these are the gates by which you leave it, and they serve and so these last ten serve as the closing of the Psalter proper, with one forty six through one fifty serving as an epilogue. And they're called the Great Hallel, because just like the earlier Hallel, they all begin with praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul, and praise the Lord over and over and over again. But they're really long, and they're nothing but praise over and over and commanding people and nations and creatures and instruments to be used. In light of all these promises found in the Psalter, and all these promises found through the praises of God's people by the prophets who wrote it. Praise the Lord, everyone, not just you, not just me, not just Israel, not just Egypt, not just Assyria, not just Ireland or the United States. All nations are to come together in praising the Lord together. And it's ultimately a fulfillment of the previous exhortations of the other books. I'm going to read them again. Book 1 closes in Psalm 41, verse 13. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Book 2 closes with 72, 18 through 19. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Psalm 89, verse 12 closes book 3. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. And then book four closes with Psalm 106, verse 48. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. All these exhortations that blessed be the Lord, the one who does the wondrous things. Let all the people say, Amen. Find their fulfillment in these last five psalms. So I'm going to read a few excerpts from them. 
Psalm 146, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live, and I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Verse 8, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. 147. Praise the Lord for his goodness and praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Verse 12. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his command to the earth and his word runs swiftly. 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. So now it's even moved to creation itself. Praise the Lord. Then verse 14 in 148, another messianic overtone. He has raised up a horn for his people. Remember the horn of David, his greater son, the Messiah. Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Let his praise, sorry, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in the king. Verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Remember Psalm 2 again. To execute on them the judgment written. This is the honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. And finally, we get to Psalm 150, which is the final psalm in the book of the Psalter. And it's going to be the final word as we go. And I'm going to do something that it's a little, uh, I didn't tell Philip we were doing this, but that's okay. It'd be a terribly beautiful cacophony. I'm going to read Psalm 150. And when I get to the last two lines, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, I want everyone who wants to, to unmute their microphones and say, praise the Lord together. It's going to sound like a joyful noise, but just to warn you, it might not necessarily sound like one that's in tune with one another. But... I, I think it would be, I think it behooves us to finish out the Psalter obeying what it's commanded. So let me read this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen. So congratulations. We have gone through all five books of the book of Psalms. I pray that this has been um, good for you. It certainly has been good for me as I've done the study on this. And seeing things that I have not seen before. I, I pray that this has given all of us a new way of looking at the scriptures. 
And as we read the Psalms, whether you follow a lectionary and read them once a month or every 60 days as in the ACNA with the with our tradition sometimes or any other program, or you just say, hey, I enjoy reading random Psalms throughout my month or years, which is fine. I pray that this would help you understand the Psalter better, help you enter into it and ask, well, what was the Lord saying to his people? What is he saying to me now? And how does this change the way perhaps I even view God and his plan and his love, not only for himself, not only for us, but for Israel, for the Jewish people, because they come up over and over and over again. Faithful Israel is called to praise the Lord. Unfaithful Israel is still called his people, whom he loves and desires their salvation. And he says, come to me. And I pray that this helps us understand in the New Testament when they're just quoting Psalms left and right. Where in the world are they getting this idea that this is about the Messiah at all? Or why are they applying it to these certain situations? And as you read through the book of Psalms on your own, ask yourself these questions. Come up with your own observations. And may we all come away loving the Lord more and loving his scriptures more. And as the book of Psalms says, may everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. Our theme music is Still You by Joel Lupus via filmmusic.io. To learn more about CMJ USA, to sign up for our newsletters, or to make a donation, visit cmj-usa.org. cmj-usa.org. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you.